0: Now we're going to further worship the Lord together in the reading of the Scriptures. I would encourage you to turn with me to 2 Samuel, chapter 10. 2 Samuel, chapter 10. And we're going to read together the first 14 verses of the chapter If you have your Bible there Turn to the place appointed Second Samuel chapter 10 We're going to read from verse 1 For those online The words will come up on the screen And you can follow the reading as well It's good to be able to hear the word of God It's good to be able to see it Let's hear God's word together And it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died, and Hanon his son reigned in his stead. Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanon the son of Nahash, as his father showed kindness unto me. And David sent to comfort him by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. And the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanon their lord, Thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father, that he hath sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city, and to spy it out, and to overthrow it? Wherefore, Hanun took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle, even to their buttocks, and sent them away. When they told it unto David, he sent to meet them, because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Tarry at Jericho until your beards be grown, and then returned. And when the children of Ammon saw that they stank before David, the children of Ammon sent and hired the Syrians of Beth Rehob, and the Syrians of Zobah, twenty thousand footmen, and of King Makak, a thousand men, and of Ishtob, twelve thousand men. And when David heard of it, he sent Joab and all the hosts of the mighty men. And the children of Ammon came out and put the battle in array at the entering in of the gate. And the Syrians of Zobah and Rehob and Ishtob and Makaak were by themselves in the field. When Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him before and behind, he chose of all the choice men of Israel and put them in array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he delivered into the hand of Abishai, his brother, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. Be good courage, and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God, And the Lord do that which seemeth him good. And Joab drew nigh and the people that were with him unto the battle against the Syrians. And they fled before him. And when the children of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fled, then fled they also before Abishai and entered into the city. So Joab returned from the children of Ammon and came to Jerusalem. Amen. I know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from 2 Samuel chapter 10 and the verse 12. It reads as follows, Be of good courage, and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God. And the Lord do that which seemeth him good. Now, my theme today is entitled The Challenge of Playing the Man. So, I've given you the text. Here's the theme The Challenge of Playing the Man. Now, these words were first spoken by Joab, the commander in chief of King David's army, and they were directed to his brother. Abishai alongside him in the battlefield. Think for a few moments of the historical background here. Nahash king of Ammon. Ammon's in the east border of Israel. He has died. His son Hanun has succeeded him to the throne. King David decides to send messengers to the land of Ammon to pay their respects and to offer the king's sympathies on the death of a friendly king. Sadly and wrongly, the princes of the country of Ammon totally misjudged this situation. They accused These men are being spies. They suggest to their new king that these Jews are sent here not as sympathisers, but to spy out the land. David is planning an evasion of Ammon. Now, of course, this was a lie. This was false. This was something that was completely wrong. A sort of kind of whispering campaign where men were being nice to your face but knifing you in the back. And Hanon, on the basis of this suggestion took these men, shaved off half their beards, cut off their clothes, showing off their stomach or their belly, and then sent them back that way to Jerusalem. Now when David was formed of this shameful treatment, he instructed his men to remain at Jericho until their beards were fully grown. Once the Ammonites realized the severity of their foolish action, instead of repenting, saying they're sorry... Instead of Hanun dismissing a few princes for a complete misjudgment of the situation, the Ammonites hired 33,000 Syrians to help them fight against Israel. Once again, the land of Israel was in grave danger. When David heard of this, he sent for Joab. Joab was his number one general. He was a man greatly experienced in war, a sort of a a, a battle-hardened warrior and general. And now in the day of the battle Joab found himself hemmed in by two nations The Ammonites were in front of him The east side of the river Jordan He had the Syrians uh, uh, to the the, the back of him Uh, so, So get the picture Joab discovered that the front of the battle was against him And that he also had an enemy behind him Now what was he going to do? Well he wisely divided up his army They made him choices of men Were selected to stay with him And fight against the uh, Syrians The rest would fight Alongside Abishai his brother Against the Ammonites And he made an agreement with his brother Listen to verse 11 And he said if the Syrians be too Strong for me then thou shall help Me but if the children of Ammon Be too strong for thee Then I will come and Help thee And it was after that he issued this rallying cry. This was a sort of a hard-hitting, no-nonsense challenge. Now, these words, I believe, were very important. They were meant to be comforting, yes. They were meant to be encouraging. But they were also meant to be hard-hitting. You see, this wasn't a game. This wasn't a mere military exercise. This wasn't some sort of drill. This was a battle to the death. A battle about survival. A a battle about supremacy. A battle about victory. I believe this morning that this challenge issued by Joab to his brother Abishai applies to the church of Jesus Christ today. What is the great need of the Christian church today? And I would suggest to you that the great need of the Christian church today is the need for men. Christian men. Committed men. Courageous men. Chosen men. Men who are unashamed to say we be Christ men. Now, let's think of this text. Let's think of this theme. Hearing and heeding the challenge of playing the man. There's three things came to mind when I discovered this text a couple of weeks ago. The first thing is this. Think of the situation that they faced. You see, I want you to think that this was a perilous time for the children of Israel. They faced a very powerful foe on two fronts. It appears the enemy has an advantage. The armies of Israel are being easily outnumbered here. Joab's troops are hemmed in before them, the Ammonites. Behind them is the Syrians. And they're in the middle. And, and these two opposing uh, uh, nations... Could could march in from front and behind and even close in round the sides and destroy Joab and David's army. Now, what did Joab do? Let me tell you, he was gripped by a spirit of discernment. The first thing he did was he assessed the situation. What do we do? What's the options? Run for our lives? Retreat to our homes, our cities? Surrender to the enemy? Why not? That's a good option. What would it mean if they had surrendered? If they had retreated? If they had run for their lives? Let me tell you what it would have meant. It would have meant a Amorite flag over Jerusalem and probably alongside a Syrian flag. It would have meant the children of Israel being servants of the Ammonites. So Israel no longer would be a sovereign, independent nation. And the children of Israel would have to pay tribute to the Ammonites and to the Syrians. It would mean death for some and imprisonment for many. It would also mean an impact on their wives and their children. Remember the Ammonites? They worshipped a God called Moloch, not Jehovah. And one of the things that they did to Moloch was they sacrificed little children to him in the fire. See, things were not looking good. Here's the options. Do we want this for Jerusalem, for our families, for our people? Joab needed great discernment. He had to make a decision. He needed wisdom. Should I surrender and be enslaved? Should I retreat and be attacked in our cities? Or should I stand firm and fight like men? Think of what he said. Be of good courage and let us play the man for our people and for the cities of our God and the Lord do that which seemeth him good. I want us to think of the church of Jesus Christ today in the 21st century. And one of the things that we need is discernment. We must recognize and see the situation that we face for what it is. And we must understand that we have a growing, hostile, militant enemy all around us in this United Kingdom. The church faces militant atheism that says there is no God. The church faces the encroachment of secularization, where, where God is completely left out of the life of the nation and, 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 and the life of the many who, who, who make up the inhabitants of the country. The church faces a spirit of hedonism where, and relativism, where, where, where many uh, do their own thing what's right in their own eyes. And, and, and they do it according to their mind. Now you add into that mix today the inroads of false cults with their spiritual lies and spiritual deception. Add into the mix resurgent Roman Catholicism. Add in apostate liberal so-called Protestantism. Add in the uh, state of the contemporary so-called evangelical church. Isn't the contemporary church full of worldly compromises, carnal behavior, confusion about the gospel and the great spiritual truths, many guilty of heresy and they can't even see it, Uh, guilty of idolatry, uh, guilty of indifference. You you, you think of the the strength and power of the LGTB lobby today. The church is facing so many enemies. And the Reformed church seems to be at loggerheads with each other over non-essentials. And what do we do? Well, the answer is not to retreat to the bunkers. The answer is not to surrender. The answer is not to close the door. The, the, the answer is not to, to bury our heads in the sand and be indifferent and apathetic, hoping that you'll just be left alone by the enemy. The answer here is to stand and fight in this spiritual war and stand and fight like fully committed Christian men, as Christ men. Remember, we're already and really in a spiritual war. Listen to Ephesians 6 and verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And in this context many souls are perishing in their sin. They they face a certain fiery eternal judgment. Many have no hope of redemption. And what is the answer? The answer is realizing that we're in a spiritual war and having that spirit of discernment, but it's also realizing something else. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We're not fighting with guns and swords. This is not a a military war. This is a spiritual war with a military connotation. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Joab, in the situation he faced, not only was gripped by a spirit of discernment, but he was also gripped by a spirit of involvement. He said to Abishai, Be of good courage and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God. See, Joab recognized that God was met, God is looking for men and women and young people who will fight in the spiritual war who will fight as soldiers of Jesus Christ. Let's remember this morning who our enemy is. The enemy is the world that wants to squeeze us into its mold. The enemy is inward remaining corruption, our our, our own uh, uh, battle with inward uh, sin. And and the enemy is the devil. And the enemy is making inroads into our country and into the life of the church. And we can see that in, as I've mentioned, atheism and secularization and hedonism and relativism and and, and, and many other isms today. And who is going to stand? And Joab is urging his soldiers, don't flee. You must stand to fight. Sadly today, many are behaving like chocolate soldiers. Wasn't that the little book that C.T. Studd wrote? Many today in the church do not want to stand against the workers of iniquity. They don't want to stand against the men of Belial. But you know what? We cannot afford to ignore the workers of iniquity or the men of Belial. We we, we should not pretend that they're not there. We need a spirit of discernment. But following that spirit of discernment, we need to make a decision about what we're going to do. And then we must act and we must get involved. And we must be gripped by a serious conviction. Because it's really a do or a die situation. Whenever Henry VIII died, he left three heirs to the throne. Edward, his son, daughter Mary and Elizabeth. Edward succeeded him, of course. He was a young lad and he was a very staunch uh, Protestant and the land enjoyed a degree of peace and prosperity for a time and there was many positive changes to advance the uh, course of the uh, Protestant religion in England at that time. And it was around that occasion that the 39 articles of the Church of England were uh, formed uh, and a, a, a tremendous body of truth was set before the people using these 39 articles. Bishop Hugh Latimer and Bishop Nicholas Ridley were involved in the drawing up along with others of those articles. Then Edward died. Mary succeeded him. Sadly, she became known as Bloody Mary. Uh, During her short reign, over 300 choice uh, individuals of Protestant conviction were put to death and put to death by burning. Hugh Latimer, of course, remember, was Bishop of uh, Worcester at that time. And um, Nicholas Ridley and him were uh, arrested. They were tried for heresy. They were imprisoned in the Tower of London for a time. And then October the 17th, 1555, they were transferred to Oxford and they were burnt at the stake. And and as they were burning, Hugh Latimer was heard to say to Nicholas Ridley, Be of good courage, Master Ridley, and play the man, for I trust it by God's grace we shall light such a candle in England that shall not be put out. And I was thinking, where are the great men of God today? You see, we're asking, where's the God of Elijah? But I wonder, is God in heaven asking, where are the Elijahs of God? We can talk about Calvin and Knox. We could talk about Patrick Hamilton and John Wesley and George Whitfield. We can even talk about our former moderator, the late Dr. Paisley. But the great need of the hour today is for men. And oh, that we could understand that we're living in perilous times. Could, could I remind you, And our, our, our church did a series of this some years back. Perilous times for the worship of God, the work of God, for the word of God, for, for the witness of God, for, for, for the warfare of God. You see, the enemy is trying to silence the church today. The, the enemies try to orchestrate things that the Christian and the Christian ministers—they're—they're they're the troublemakers—and—and—and and, and because of their their doctrines and and because of their belief and because of their stand, they, they, they need to be silenced. You see, we're in a spiritual war. It's a—it's a sort of a an ideological war, and we need to. Attempt by the word of God to dismantle false doctrine and dismantle false belief. And the weapon, of course, is the sword of the spirit. And we're in a struggle that never ends. And, And in this war, God is looking for Christian men. Men who say, I am one of Christ and I'll be committed to Christ. And like David, is there not a cause? And I'll be courageous for God despite all my fear and despite all my frustration. Maybe you're here this morning in church and you're facing a very serious struggle right now. A struggle could be physical, could be financial, could be material, it could even be matrimonial. And you, you're, you're in the heat of it. At times you don't really know what to do. Well, I want to encourage you this morning in this fiery trial that you're facing, One of the things that you need to do is you need to be strong in the Lord. Isn't that what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Where does our strength come from to face the enemy? It's not in ourself. It's only in the Lord. It's only in God's good grace. So here's the situation that they faced. It needed discernment. It needed involvement. I want you to think secondly, very quickly, of the strategy that they followed. You see, remember, Joab and the armies facing two groups. So he divides his army into two parts. One with him to face the Syrians. One with Abishai to face the Ammonites. Yet, amazingly, and here's the context of verse 11 they worked together. They were mutually dependent one upon the other. They, they were really brothers in arms. If you look at, at what we read there in verse 10, and the rest of the people he delivered into the hand of Abishai, his brother, underline that, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. And he said, if the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shall help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee Then I will come and help thee Be of good courage And let us play the men for our people Underline the words And let us play the men for our people You see there was a willingness To help each other It wasn't every man for himself It wasn't well the last man standing This was real Christian togetherness In this spiritual war for God Joab and Abishai were brothers And they're fighting the same battle They're fighting the same enemy They're battling really in behalf of each other They had each other's back They were battling for their families To protect their children and their wives. They they were battling for their people, Uh, thinking of the, the old, the infirm, the sick in the cities. They they were battling for the protection of the house of God in Jerusalem. They were battling to defend each other. Doesn't the Bible exhort us to do good to all men? Especially they who are the household of faith. You see, I'm I'm thinking of the church this morning. I'm thinking of the Free Presbyterian Church Not just this congregation But our denomination I'm going to ask this morning Where is the genuine love for each other? Where is the genuine sense of togetherness? Where is the genuine willingness to help and assist each other Giving counsel And genuine encouragement See I I think we've got confused I I think we've forgotten who the enemy is The enemy is the world And the flesh and the devil And there has to be in the Christian church Christian camaraderie Or Christian togetherness We're we're, we're here for each other because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And we want to do each other good. We want to help each other on the journey. We want to assist others in any way that we can. You see, the Christian church needs to be united together. We need to pray for and with each other. We need to work together. We need to stand together. We need to be delivered from all our fears together. We need a strategy together because we face this vile enemy. Oh, that we could realize that we've got the same Father in heaven. Oh, that we could realize that we've got the very same Lord and Savior. Your Savior's mine and and my Savior's yours. Oh, that we could realize, but we're born of the same Spirit and we've been washed in the same precious blood. And I think of those words to Moses, to two Israelites that were fighting each other. um, Why do you wrong to one another, seeing that you be brethren? Doesn't the Bible say, Who art thou that judges another man's servant to his own master? He stands or falls. I know the church of Jesus Christ is not perfect. It'll never be perfect. Of course, it's not perfect because I'm in it, and I'm an imperfect, sinful soul before the Lord. I want to encourage you this morning to be delivered from fear, delivered from your discouragement, delivered from your despair. And part of the way that you can be delivered is to become a courageous man or woman. To become a, a man or woman of conviction, a, a man or woman who's prepared to count the cost and, and, and examine the consequences of failure, and we come together with one heart and one mind, in a true spirit of unity and harmony to do what's right before God for the future. You see, I think of some of you. You're going out into the workplace. I think of some of you. You're going back to university. Some are in the factory floor somewhere maybe in the farm, all of us are out and about in society. We we, we think of our coming and going from the house of God. We think about the Sabbath day. We we, we think about the prayer meetings and the cause of Christ. And you see uppermost in our mind in a spirit of togetherness is this, how can we help advance the Lord's cause? What can I do for God's work? To God's glory, to to aid and assist the cause of Christ, but for the good and well being of my brother and sister in Christ. Joab just didn't say to Abishai, You go and fight there, brother, and I'll fight here. No, no, he, he had a strategy and they followed it. If you need me, I'll be there by your side. I'll help you. You help me. Let me tell you this little story. There's a man in America called J.C. Penney. Some of the American uh, listeners this morning will think of Penney's clothing store immediately, a very successful clothing store. But did you know that J.C. Penney's father was a preacher? He he grew up as a a pastor's kid. He was a child of the manse. And for a long time, he wasn't converted because he, he felt it difficult to make a profession of faith uh, ...for Jesus Christ because of his, his dad. But, but he grew up having high morals. And, and he knew to do what was right. He started out life as a butcher's shop. He had a good business going. And he was next door to a hotel, so that was very handy. And they bought all the meat from his butcher's shop. And that helped a lot. And of course, one day, uh, I can't remember, it was one of the hotel uh, staff, I don't think it was the owner, it may have been the manager, uh, he, he was asked by the uh, uh, manager to, to purchase a few cases of wine uh, that was going to be a freebie along with the meat. We've given you a lot of business uh, with the meat, and now we're asking for a few cases of wine along with the meat, and, and we'll use that on the tables to promote your business. Well, he refused in principle. He said, now, I'm sorry, sir, but that's against my conviction. That won't be happening. The manager said, well, if you don't do it, you're going to go out of business. We'll take the trade from you and go to somewhere else. Well, he says, that's fine. And he lost out. His business was closed. The Lord directed him later on to open another business. And as I've already said, he opened a clothing store this time. And he became very successful. You see, at that time... J.C. Penney had just become a Christian. And he wanted to make a stand for God and truth and righteousness. And he had discovered that text of Scripture, them that honor me, I will honor. And God blessed him and blessed his testimony. And I'm thinking today of your testimony. I'm thinking of the testimony of our church as a whole. And do you know our greatest need? our greatest need is courageous, Christ-centered young men for the pulpit. Young men who will lay hold on the Lord. Young men who will realize I'm not an entertainer. I'm not a, a, a political strategist or specialist. I, 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 I'm not a, a, a market specialist. I'm, I'm God's man with God's message. And what we need for the pulpit, we need for the pew elders that are qualified according to first timothy chapter three men who follow the word the same is true for deacons do we not need young men for the office of deacon in the will of god young men who become pillars in the house of god do do we not need young men growing up to be fathers in the house of god and worshippers in the pew men who will serve the lord in their generation men who will take up the cause of christ Who will have this mindset all for one and one for all men who will want to help and encourage and assist their brothers and sisters in Christ men who will certainly not be nasty to individuals men who will endeavor to be nice according to the word of God listen to first Corinthians chapter 16 verse 13 watch you stand fast in the faith quit you like men be strong. There's four things that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Literally play the man. Be strong. Amid all the problems of the Corinthian church, that was his answer. That was his call to this backslidden church. And one of the answers was that they needed to be play the man. They needed to be men of principle, men of passion, men of pleasantness. You know, it's not wrong to be loyal to your local church. It's Christ's church. It's not wrong to fight for your family or for your people. You think of the selflessness of the sacrifice of the Son of God. And are we not called to follow in his steps? One of the things that's been on my mind this morning... As I've thought after this lockdown and i thought of the blessings that God has given us before the lockdown and now we're in the post-lockdown era, we need a strategy as we go forward. So I'm calling us to worship together. I'm calling us to walk together with the Lord. I'm, I'm calling us to, to work together, to, to witness together because we're in a warfare together. I know that we could see the enemy Think of militant Islam. You think of the the militant sodomite lobby this morning. You think of militant atheism. You think of resurgent Roman Catholicism with all the, the subtlety of the Jesuits. You think of the state of the liberal Protestant church. You think of the state of the contemporary church. Absolute confusion among many who, who are affected uh, uh, as they listen to, to, to the ministry, which is far removed from the gospel. You think of the state of the, the fighting that goes on inside the reformed evangelical church. Isn't it easy to make excuse? Isn't it easy to forget this is Christ church? Isn't it easy to forget? Like David, is there not a cause? Oh, let's embrace the cause. Let, let's rally to it. Let, let's see to it that if we're asking where are where is the God of Elijah, let, let's step forward and say we'll be Elijah's for God. Lord help me to be a Luther. A Calvin, a Knox, a Patrick Hamilton Help me to be a Spurgeon Help me to be a Wesley Help me to be a Whitfield Help me to be me You see, our church is silent today, folks You think of those that control the media If we put out a statement, it hardly gets a mention We're silent about many things And we need to take a stand And we need to say enough's enough There's a call to disband the police today. There's a call to liberalize marijuana. We've got the worst abortion and demand in the whole of Europe now. We've got this um, transgender program. We've got uh, a militant uh, homosexual lobby pushing the sin of homosexuality. And homosexuality is a sin. It's under the judgment of God. But let's remember, those individuals can be washed and cleansed and changed by the power and grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to love them. And we need to try and win them for Christ. And, and while we're standing true to the Bible and the book, and even though we're denounced and denied and maligned by the things that we say because of our convictions, we still want to speak the truth in love. I'm not talking about taking up arms or fighting uh, with, with, with any weapons that are uh, of the armaments of the world. Our weapons are spiritual. The weapon of love. The weapon of prayer. The weapon of the word. Notice lastly this morning, think of the success that they found. Not only the situation they faced and the strategy they followed, but think of the success that they found. In this warfare together, when they were all for one and one for all, what did it lead to? It led to a great success. Remember, the Bible says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. What's it like? It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard. Even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments, as the Jew of Hermon, as the Jew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. The supposed difficulty, the enemy. The enemy turned and fled once they were approached. The supposed difficulty evaporated. They they drove the enemy right down to the river Euphrates. And God used this conflict to further the borders of his people. It was all connected to God's will and plan and purpose for them. And maybe there's an evil influence affecting your family and it has stopped you right in the tracks. Look for the will of God, look for the plan and purpose. Allow God to use that conflict that, that, that evil influence To advance his cause See God can use trials and troubles You don't have to despair folks You don't have to despise the trials and troubles you, you, you don't have to go into a, 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 a de, des, despondent state Remember God is a plan God is a purpose And if we follow God's word and go God's way, then remember Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. The success that they found because they did God's warfare God's way. We need to take a stand today. We need to take a firm stand may take a lonely stand but when others flee let's be found standing as Christian men as Christ men with courage and commitment it not only applies to the men but applies to the women we need godly women today young women who will identify with Christ and his cause if the Lord has saved us then we must serve him We must attempt to bring glory and honor to his name. This is a difficult day. But what is our goal and our aim? It's not just coming and going from the place of the holy. If the Lord is with us and his presence is amongst us and we taste of his power and we know he has a purpose and a plan and his promises are true, then then let's stand together. And and let's see the success that Joab found warring against the enemy be found in the Christian church today. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. You're listening to me and you're not yet saved. Remember the Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. And I would encourage you to think about your sin Think about your soul. Think about salvation. Think about the Savior. And regardless of what age you are, the most important thing is that you're found in a right relationship with the Lord. Because you're not going to know success in life's journey until you find that ultimate success in a life of close fellowship and communion with the Lord himself. I commend this message to you. I know more could be said and more should be said. This is a subject that will return to at some time in the future. But I believe that we all need to heed and hear the challenge to play the man. May the Lord help us at this time.